Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 74, and we're coming at you from the Mean Your True Value in Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. And a little bit of an extra bonus tonight. Um, I'm the only person in the studio. Ramsey could not make it. I'm Eric Fisher, the biggie. Ramsey could not make it tonight. So joining us by Zoom from Jillet, Wisconsin, Justin Dahl. Justin, how are you doing? And I'm doing good. I'm glad to I'm glad to be here. We've got a, a awesome segment lined up, awesome show lined up. We've got an added guest that's awesome. I'm excited for this one, Eric. I think it's going to be one of our best. I hope so. I, it very well should be, very well could be. And as that added guest that is joining us this week, also via Zoom, the pride of Sheboygan Falls, Shauna, Secretary Shauna, Shauna Hallbach. How are you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Back-to-back weeks for you to join the show. Crazy. It really is. I mean, I'm really curious on how much you're going to uh, to join in here. We got some big comments from you last week. Of The audience loved you last week, Shauna. Yeah, well, you know, got to give the audience what they want. They're here for me. Must be. Whoa. I mean, we, Justin, we had a high listenership last week that we haven't had in quite some time. So if that's the case, she's absolutely right. We got to give the people what they want. I bring the party to the table. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you bring the one-liners, I think, too. That was pretty good. I'm going to – John is starting this show off hot again, Eric. She really <laughs> is. So – with that in mind, and now that you know whose voices you're going to hear, got to talk about our partners. First, we've got our partner over at Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, lots of fun stuff they got going on. Risk-free contest that they've got going for the PGA Championship. So get in on that before while you can before the event starts on Thursday. Also, plenty of stuff, you know, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB regular season. You name it, it's there. Play along with the contest. Put money in your pocket. Also, our friends over at Raise Energy, repsports.com, code ROOT, 4-R-O-O-T, number 4, 15% off any order on repsports.com. Try that lifestyle. All the different flavors are there. New flavors, the existing flavors, you name it, it's there. Repsports.com, code ROOT, 4. With that said, we get into the heart of the episode, and we talk about what we had rooted for over the last week. And that is brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics over 300 plus powered stores, including the MLB. So show off your hashtag big league style with repping your MLB team, whether you're a Brewers fan like all three of us, or you're a Padres fan like Ramsey, or any team in between. Show off your love for your team. And I guess I'll lead off with our, our hot new guest. Sean, did you have anything that you had rooted for in the last week? Yeah, I uh, rooted for the Brewers against the Braves, you know, Atlanta reigning championship or champ champ champions. Uh, they took two out of the three, so that was good. Keston with a big uh, walk-off today. That was good. That's what I rooted for. Excellent stuff. A little bit of a spoiler considering we have our own segment for the Brewers, but I, I, I do like it. I can get with that. All right, yeah, you know. Justin, you're root for <laughs> My my root for was uh, I don't know if you caught it or uh, Eric over the weekend, but.
But uh, I'm going to steal a little bit of Ramsey's thunder and give him a little love here since he's not here. But Kurt Busch in 23XI Racing getting their first win. Uh, it's It's been a, a hell of a couple weeks for Kurt Busch. Um, uh, sadly, him and his wife have filed for divorce with each other. Uh, and that came through last week. So he ended that week uh, filing for divorce but winning the race. So I think he ends up on top and in the whole scenario. But uh, good for Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan and, and all the, the strides that they're making over there at 23XI uh, to get in the winner's circle to essentially uh, put themselves in the playoffs in the second year of their existence, uh, the first year – of, of having a two-car operation, I think is huge for them. Them and Trackhouse are making huge strides in the game of racing. Um, so new blood, which is great to see in NASCAR. Um, and, and, you know, it was just a, a, a great race by with a great car. It had a great scheme with Jumpman on the hood. And, and it, it was awesome. Good for those guys. Yeah, I did not catch the race, but I did see the highlights, and I was kind of following along my phone as – as I watched my money go down the drain from what I put down at the sports book, but um, it was what it was. No, excellent race all around. Actually, an excellent racing weekend. So I'm gonna have a couple root fours that I'm gonna kind of mention here. So first of all, Friday night, and I'm, it's gonna stay within the realm of uh, of NASCAR here as well. Friday night, our guy Ty Majeski P2 in the truck race, and yeah, also yes, he was that was great. Also landing himself a brand new sponsor with uh, I believe it's called Road Ranger. Um, so new sponsor for him to really kind of shore up his hot start that he's had and kind of continue his NASCAR dream and career with the truck series. So excellent to see on that front. Um, I also kind of did want to talk about the, the Kansas cup race, you know, again, having watched the highlights, a couple different takeaways I had from it first, as you mentioned, excellent showing by team 23 XI, um, even Bubba Wallace towards the, I mean, he had a run probably could have been a top five car. Um, had it not been for mm-hmm. a, a tragic penalty at the end um, where the tire got a loose from the pit crew out of the pit box. So that ultimately cost him a great day. Um, a little bit of a disappointing, you know, just ending for me personally, you know, what rooting for Kyle Larson. But what a save that he had, Justin, on that car um, when when Kurt Busch got into him a little bit and yeah. saved the car. And saved, you know, was able to kind of regain the lead. Now, also, you know, within my realm of the root for here, Kyle Larson, you know, and I know I talk about this anytime we really talk about NASCAR because it's really one of my favorite things. You know, we often talk about all these rivalries and how how hot-headed these drivers can get in the moment and, and all that. Kyle Larson, to his credit, you know, I love watching Radioactive on Tuesdays, Justin. You know this. Uh, Shauna yep. knows this. Mm-hmm. Watching this week's at the end when uh, Kyle got a little high, r- rubbed the wall when Kurt Busch took the lead from him uh, with eight to go. His crew chief and spotter were both uh, kind of trying to make, I don't want to say make an excuse, but trying you know to say that uh, Kurt Busch had ran him into the wall and you know that's why he got passed. And Kyle Larson, cool as can be, on radio says no, he didn't. You know this, that's not what happened. You know he kind of did it himself. So I want to say just hats off, heat of the moment, to have that awareness of not trying to create some petty rivalry or, you know, just acting like a true champion in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so hats off to Kyle Larson there. But yeah, just a great weekend <laughs> of racing overall. And uh, unfortunately, did not get out to Shano over the weekend like I thought I was going to. But, yeah, I was going to ask you that, Eric. But God darn it. It was a beautiful night, too. It was. I ended up uh, hanging out with some friends and sitting by a campfire all night. So really can't complain Nothing about wrong that with either. That. So that's, that was my root for us. Um, with that, we go from the positives to the negatives and go to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And, uh, Sean, I know that you were kind of unprepared for this, but did you have a Noogie of the Week? I don't think I do. I uh, I was underprepared. Maybe next time. All right. Justin, your Noogie, if you have one. Okay. My, mine actually stems from today, Eric. I don't know if you've heard this or not. And I heard it when uh, Marcus was making or doing his show um, better call I ever saw. Uh, but David Carr is my noogie of the week. Ooh, I'm David glad Carr I did goes, see this. David Carr goes out on NFL Network where he's a D-list analyst um, and says that he does not think that the Green Bay Packers are going to win eight games this year. So they will not have a winning record. I think that is an utterly buffoon of a take uh i think i think this one in the end eric as we go through it, it could be a uh dumpster fire of the year take uh prediction um i i think easily the packers win 10 games when you have aaron Rodgers, you're gonna have a winning record it now if aaron Rodgers gets hurt we could be in trouble, and then we're going to see what Jordan Love has. But with Aaron Rodgers, they are a super Super Bowl contender and always will be a Super Bowl contender, and they will be in the hunt with Aaron Rodgers. No, absolutely, and and I'm glad you bring this up, Justin. So I, I, was gonna, I had two noogies this week. First, I want to just kind of go – and talk about hot jock, you know, hot take, hot, you know, shock jock takes that are going on out there. First of all, you're you're absolutely right. This David Carr take. I mean, he's had he had a pretty bad career, and it's really you know interesting to me how all these guys who have subpar careers end up being analysts and trusted to be like a you know have an opinion on things. I mean, yeah. To his credit, he ended up making a better analyst than a than a quarterback. But look at Dan Orlovsky, um, Tim Hasselbeck, all these guys who had mediocre-ish careers, if that, and then go on to be – I mean, like I said, a lot of these end up being pretty, pretty good uh, analysts. But David Carr is as bad of an analyst as he is a quarterback, yeah, and he was awful. Also, He's a for sure. Also, and I, I shared this with the group chat today, and I know it's just kind of one random Twitter person, but after the announcement of the Jair Alexander contract extension, which you have to be excited as a Packer fan about, that is hell, hell it, yeah, that is good. Long term, that's good. Short term, as it reduces cap hit for this year, essentially making this a five year deal with only a one million dollars this year, uh, to be determined on the. On the structure of like how much is actually going to be cap hit for next year, but another take I saw floating around the internet after the extension came from a Bears fan, and you know, put it for what it is, but they pay a washed up cornerback twenty one million a year, but they couldn't pay Devontae with like three laughing faces. 
I don't. Yeah. I don't. There's so many bad takes in that comment, Eric. There's so many bad takes. I mean, first of all, we we find out from Ian Rappaport. Let's just call it what it is. First, we find from Ian Rappaport, who reported that the Packers had offered him more upfront money than what Las Vegas is giving him this year. So let's let's just kind of nip that in the bud right there. But also, Jair Alexander. I mean, yes, he had one. This has been really the first time in his career he's been hurt. And he still is an all-pro, literally probably this one or two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So to undoubtedly to sit here and call him washed up, but then also this lazy take of not paying Devontae, but you're paying this guy twenty. I just can't get with that. So that was that was a secondary noogie I had, Justin. I don't know if you have any parting thoughts on that one. No, that was that was a it, it was a great way to say it. But there's so many. Like within the comment, there's so many things that you could break down about how bad it is. They literally offered him more money than any team that could have offered or that did offer money. Devon, like you, you're being lazy if you don't really seek out that Devonte recruited himself, recruited the team to himself. He recruited to go play with Derek Carr, his college buddy. He wanted to go. He was offered everything that could have been offered in Green Bay. It, it, it wasn't a fact of Green Bay not doing what they could to keep Devontae. Devontae chose. Like, that's what people need to get through their skull. And I think ultimately that's why Aaron is really okay with it. Like, okay, Devontae chose this. Chose this for himself. Chose this for his family. And chose it because it's his childhood dream. So not only are you you're dogging uh, a top two or three cornerback in the league, who, by the way, has completely crushed your franchise over the last three years, four years, but now you're dogging the best wide receiver in the game. So I, I just think it's an absolute terrible take yeah for sure and that leads me to my other nugget of the week and this is one i wanted to ask you and actually i want to really ask ramsey about but it is what it is i'm giving the ultimate nugget to pat beverly and pat beverly just i i don't know what it is about him but he is nonstop put himself in the limelight with you know anytime that something happens him and kendrick perkins really for that matter Again, this kind of goes back to my overall noogie of, you know, just being a shock jock, hot take person to have a hot take instead of, you know, having really, you know, something to base it on. But this whole Patrick Beverly nonsense that's going on in the NBA conversations about who's better than who and who should be where and all this stuff is just ridiculous. And also, who the hell is Pat Beverly to talk about Chris Paul when Patrick Beverly has never been an NBA All-Star. He was a draft pick in the second round that he was drafted and didn't even make the team his first year. He had to go play in Europe and Russia, which, whatever, I'm not dogging a guy's path to the NBA. But what has he accomplished that he gets to be this this hot take guy, you know, sitting around and, and thinking he knows all this about the NBA and, and specifically Chris Paul, when the dude can't get out of the first round of the playoffs, was on one of the most overrated teams when he was with the Clippers and never really spurred anything that they should have. Uh, 
and now a first round exit with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Man, I don't know how much I agree with that, Eric. Uh, so he got drafted in the second round, the 42nd pick in 2009. He's 33 years old and he's still sticking around in the NBA. He's playing professional basketball. Um, that's what, what is that? Quick math. That's 13 years. Sure. 14, 13 years. He's a 13 year vet. Um, so anybody that can stick around in the league for 13 but he years, ha I mean, he really hasn't though. That's the thing. And if you, I mean, yes, he's been around since 2009. He hasn't played in the NBA since 2013, or he's only played in the NBA since 2013, which did also include a stint with the G League or the then D League team but the G League team uh the Rio Grande Valley Vipers in 2013 so really mm -hmm. we're looking at 2013/2014 and then that's still an 8 year career that's that's nothing to be taken away from that in the grand scheme right. of things but i mean i'm looking through he had he's in one time NBA all defensive team for or first team first team and two time yeah. NBA All-Defensive Second Team. Great things in and of himself, but when you're going after Chris Paul, and, I, and granted, Chris Paul doesn't have a ring, but Chris Paul is one of the best players of our generation, Justin. And the criticism coming from this guy who... I mean, let's be real. He doesn't have the same resume is a little absurd, if you ask me. And again, like I said, it's it's every NBA storyline coming out. It's either Pat Beverly has comments or Kendrick Perkins has hot take comments. And I mean, yeah, I would I would talk more about Kendrick Perkins in this situation. Pat Beverly has a little more substance than Perkins to me. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, e either one, you, either but, one though. Neither, I mean. At least Kendrick Perkins has a ring to his name with Boston. I mean, the the rest uh, of the resume is not as impressive itself either, but 15-year yeah, NBA um, career. Perkins? Or actually, excuse me. Um, that does also include a, a two-year G League stint, but um, 2003 to 2018. Kendrick Perkins? Yes, sir. I would have never guessed that. Drafted really out of high school. Uh, yeah, I know he by was Memphis, one of them. 2003 to 2011 with Boston, 2011 to 2015 with Oklahoma City and uh, Cleveland and New Orleans. Bounced around quite a bit in 2015. Not his best year. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, 17 the, and 18 the Canton had, Charge and then yeah. ended it with 29, or 2018 with the Cavaliers. I think he, uh, at the end of at the end was like one of those uh, veteran minimum buyout contract kind of guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't, you know. I mean, Patrick Beverly's still doing, he's playing defense at a high level yet at 33 years old. I, the, the reality of the situation, though, Eric, is that this stems from something that happened when they were both on the Clippers, right? Right. And this happens every time Chris Paul switches a team. He's left the team and the and the teammates that are left where he, where he was that are still there have 
exercise the fact that maybe Chris Paul is a little prickly and he's hard to play with uh, attitude-wise, right? Um, and, and there must have been something that happened. I, I don't know the story that happened there, but there is something that happened there uh, that those two did not get along. And, and the reality of the situation, though, Eric, is that they don't really get along. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, is Chris Paul can't really win the big one. And that's that's the point he really is trying to get to and try to make. Now, is he being an asshole on top of it to to uh, further emphasize his his point? Yeah, but that's TV, that's ratings, that's that's how it is, right? Sometimes Ramsey's like that on here. <laughs> <laughs> I I'd tell him, you know, I'd say he can defend himself, but uh, you know, he doesn't really listen that much to us anyway, so. That that one's on him. I'll give you that. Yeah. See. <laughs> I kid. I kid. But anyway. So yeah. That's that's my ultimate nuggie. And like I said, just this whole drama that's kind of fallen out from it. It really makes me laugh. And you know, I got to give credit. I mean, I am not by any means a, a uh, Kevin Durant fan. I mean, his game's impressive in the, in the grand scheme of things. Like I can respect him as a basketball player. But to his credit. I, I laugh my ass off when he's out there and he has, I mean, I, I would say he, you know, if anybody's going to talk out there, he's one of the people that can talk sauce, talk game, whatever. And the fact that he just doesn't give a shit about what people think about him anymore. I mean, he had all the burners. You can say what you will about that. But the fact that he's just going, letting it fly with fans who who kind of think that, oh, this guy's never going to reply. He's a famous player. I'm going to tweet whatever I want at him. And he's just going after people on social media. I love that. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. I agree. That is our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. Shauna, anything to add here? Nope. You guys said it all. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. That leads us to one of the probably primary reasons we brought you on this week, Shauna. For our brand new segment in its third iteration, the What the Weird Wisconsin WWW segment. And Sean, I think you're going to be pretty uh, surprised this week. We have two really good stories to bring forward here, and I'll let Justin go first with his. All right. All right, Sean. Here we go. This one comes out of Clinton, Wisconsin. It, I am reading this off of WFRV Local 5 of Green Bay and Appleton. All right. Are you guys okay. ready for this? This is a good one. I'm buckled now, up and ready to go. This is below. This is below your your 29 line, Shauna. <laughs> okay. So this this is not the weird shit in Northeast Wisconsin. All right. Law enforcement found a Wisconsin man asleep at the wheel of a forklift that he used to try to get his truck freed from the ditch. The Rock County Sheriff's Office says on May 9th. Around 11.12 p.m., authorities were notified of a stalled vehicle in the area of South County Trunk, whatever, Clinton Township. A white truck was reportedly stuck in the ditch. When authorities arrived, a white Ford F-250 was seen alongside the road. Officials say the truck appeared that it was stuck in a nearby ditch. A man who looked like he was asleep on a forklift was seen nearby. 
Authorities woke up the man and determined that he used the forklift to try to get his truck free from the ditch. The man was later identified as 62-year-old Vernon Schmuck. It was not mentioned if the forklift belonged to Schmuck. Schmuck was arrested for operating while intoxicated, which is his fifth OWI. <laughs> oh. Hey, so so not only this, we've all been there. We we might have, and we are not promoting this, but we might have had a few libations in our past and, and gotten behind the wheel of a vehicle and probably not our greatest decisions in life. And I, I, I think you guys would agree with that. Would you agree with that? I think that's a fair yeah. statement. Okay. I think the best part of this whole story is the guy realized what he was doing, that what he was facing as a fifth OWI at at, at 62 years old, how can you be so irresponsible to, to go and find a fork? Where the hell do you find a forklift <laughs> to go and try to hook up to your, your truck to drag it out? Secondly, how the hell do you fall asleep on a forklift? Have either one of you ever driven a forklift in your life? I cannot no. say that I have, no. I well, I do it daily. All right, there's just it's pos impossible to, to do that. They are quiet, but it's kind of breezy, and not the most sturdy thing out on the road when you got to pedal down. I have no idea. But the best part about this story is, guys, his last name is Schmuck. I was just gonna say that. I was like, I think that's the best part. It's Schmuck. It's a, Best part of the whole, the only way it could have been better is if his first name was Charles and you called him Chuck for short. Chuck <laughs> Schmuck. You know, I, I've, I've been on both sides of vehicles in the ditch before in my day. I've seen it. I've been part of it. I've gotten people out of a ditch. I want to know what the hell his plan was to get a Ford F-250 out with a forklift. Well, you yeah, almost would think that you'd have to, you'd have to have an accomplice with you. Somebody's got to drive the truck. Well, right. I mean, otherwise you're going to leave the truck there to go take the forklift back wherever the hell you found it. <laughs> and honestly, at that point, why are you not just sleeping that one off and not getting that fifth that fifth OWI or DUI, whatever they charged him with? OWI, yeah. Well, and I've worked at a factory before, and it's not like forklifts go all that fast like he had to drive that for like a while right exactly yikes but, but i just i think i think it's the biggest mystery of the whole story where do you just go and find a forklift <laughs> Did, is is there a breaking and entering deal that needs to be talked about here or does Maybe he have he a just buddy? Had one I, you gotta if, think he has if a buddy. You just have one, then you go home and you sleep it off. Yeah, I, yeah, I have I, so many questions. <laughs> that's Chuck a good one. That's a weird Mark. one. All right, so that Orange that's a good Mark. one. Number two, and then, Shauna, this comes again south of twenty nine, so your your neighborhood. 
This one a little closer to home. This is Final Act, Wisconsin. This article, it's really, it's really kind of gone nationwide, but this article that I'm reading uh, originates from Spectrum News 1, Wisconsin. 50 years of Big Macs, Wisconsin man keeps his fast food streak strong. Don Gorski walked into his usual McDonald's in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin on Tuesday afternoon and had a Big Mac. Eating the burger is something he's done twice a day for the last 50 years. And Tuesday night, that's 32,944 Big Macs. Quote, I've only missed eight days in 50 years, which is phenomenal. I count every Big Mac, and I counted every Big Mac I've eaten in my, my whole life. He said, I've got my count sheet from day one. After 50 years, his love affair with the hamburger is still going strong. All through, all through life, a lot of people said, you'll be dead before reaching 50 years of eating Big Macs, Don Gorski said. I guess I proved them wrong. He had his first Big Mac on May 17th, 1972, just a few hundred feet from where his preferred store in Fond du Lac now stands. Those around Don Gorski, like his son Gideon Gorski, aren't surprised at his persistence. Growing up around here, we always went to McDonald's with my dad and had Happy Meals, and I always loved my chicken nuggets, and my brother always loved his hamburgers, Gideon Gorski said. It's kind of how we grew up, and it's just an everyday life, or everyday life kind of thing for us. Gideon Gorski, though, has a more varied diet than his father. Said, I used to eat chicken nuggets every day. I used to eat cheeseburgers every day. But eventually you just get sick of it, Gideon Gorski said. I don't know how he does it, but he certainly does. The, edel, the elder Gorski said he plans to keep eating Big Macs until he dies because he likes them. A lot of people, or a lot of times, people will say, "You look like you're eating a Big Mac for the first time." I guess that's how I feel sometimes. He said, "They're that good to me, and there's nothing else I'd rather eat." And I don't know if you guys have seen this guy, what his picture he looks, looks like. He looks like a champion. He's Man, got a is dope. a bowl cut with a long ponytail. So he's got. I, I don't even know if I can call that a mullet technically, but kind of. He or wears. He's not a big dude. No, and and that's another thing that I found in a different article was talking about how he he makes it a point to continue to work out every day, so he's actually losing calories. Oh, they, nice. They've, 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 have you looked at this dude's uniform? He's got a pin on his shirt. This is Donald Gorski. Twenty. 5,000th Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own Wikipedia page. He owns he's, the Guinness look, World Record for most Big Macs. This dude looks like he's wearing a bowling shirt with all of his patches that he won. Yeah, he... <laughs> so he also claims that he constitutes... That the Big Mac constitutes 90 to 95% of his solid food intake. Oh... That's insane. That's this guy's sixty-eight bad. years old, and he's a he's a former correctional officer, according to his Wikipedia page. Like I said, he's got his own Wikipedia page, which is, that's awesome for him. 30, I don't know. Hot takes. Big Macs aren't that good. What? The Big Mac sauce is the greatest invention of all time, and I don't know that you have hit this subject yet, but. On a way earlier podcast episode of ours, I have shared a life's secret of if you put a if you put Mac sauce 
on a McChicken with cheese. Unbelievable, Shauna. It's well, the McChicken's the best sandwich at McDonald's, so. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I hit a nerve. Man, you get you get you gotta get you gotta get that double quarter pounder. That that son of a bitch is good. Oh <laughs> no, I'm a big McChicken and chicken nuggies, man. Mm. Yeah, Big Mac's got too much bun for me though, Eric. But I don't know what you think. You know, it's it's not I couldn't imagine eating one every day. And in, in preparation for this episode, Justin, I actually had one today. Uh for lunch. Also, I, while while we're talking about this. You- you did some research. I did some health. research today, just just to double check. <laughs> he also claims he drinks almost nothing but Coca Cola for him, and he rarely eats the fries. So I guess that maybe that's how he stays so thin. But okay, well the McDonald's to... is superior. I no, wholeheartedly. No. How agree. do you go to McDonald's and not eat the fries? That's a good question. Because they're not that good sometimes. What? What? Sometimes they're cold and Donna. they're icky. Well, I yes, like the soggy I would one. agree. I would. Well, the aren't the soggy ones the cold and icky ones? No, the soggy the ones when they're hot, the they're best. good. I don't, I don't know. know. I guess I like what I like. But yeah, so I, I did have one today. Um, like I said, I couldn't imagine eating that every day. Like I mean, I had I had the one today, and that was that was sufficient for me for a while. I would probably, if I had to pick between what you guys both suggested, I would probably lean towards the double quarter pounder more than the McChicken. We all know that, though. That's not surprising coming from me. Eric <laughs> hates the McChicken. I do not hate the McChicken. That's that's a very false narrative. I don't know how that's spread around as much as it has, but he does. He hates McChickens. I will say, yeah, Eric Justin Fisher does. McChicken hater. Justin's life chat life hack there with the McChicken with the Mac sauce and the cheese. That is a game changer. That is, it, it's dope. It's like is. it's like putting Lowry salt on your pizza, Eric. That also, Ooh. I did that the last time I made a, a a frozen pizza, Justin. I I don't know if we give you enough credit for your food taste, but we really should if we don't. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and minced onion. When you cook something, you put minced onions on everything. Oh, absolutely. I'm a I'm a big proponent of that. I will 100% agree with that one. I guess my only question is, it says I've only missed eight days in 50 years. What do you think he was doing on those eight days? Uh, according to a different article, just kind of reading through his Wikipedia page, a lot of it's just from snow where he couldn't, like they closed. Whoa, wait, this dude's well, got a Wikipedia page? I told you. Eating Big Macs? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, let's see. One of the days that he did not eat a Big Mac was on the day his mother died, and his her last one of her last requests was to not eat a Big Mac that day. Um, on a Thanksgiving where he couldn't find he couldn't travel or was traveling and couldn't find a McDonald's, but usually for holiday occasions he will like let everybody else eat the family or around the family, and uh, he will eat Big Macs. He even has gone as far as freezing some and keeping it for emergencies. Jesus, wow, that's whack. That is dedication. That is whack. I don't care what you say. You just don't freeze Big Macs, man. That's got to be gross. Microwaved McDonald's buns? Oh, man, no. No. I think the only way, and we've come a long way here. I feel like the best way to probably go at that 
would probably be an air fryer if you're going to reheat something, but I couldn't imagine reheating anything. I'd rather eat it cold. It says yeah. on his birthdays, he puts candles on his Big Mac like a cake. <laughs> That's awesome. How do you, oh, well, how do you fit that many candles in a, in a Big Mac? Yeah, Justin, the guy is 68 years old. Like, that's a lot of candles for that sandwich. I mean, he, maybe he deconstructs it and puts a bunch in every three of the buns. There you go. Six Some in the meat patty. Candle. That's a lot. The meat patties, man. You can put that up to a light and you can see through them sons of bitches, though, too. <laughs> them things ain't. It, I mean, it's ridiculous. They they gotta put a, that's like going to Mickey Lou's and marinade. Have you have you guys ventured up that way? And got I, Mickey Lou's. I love that place. Mickey Lou's. Used to be dope. I love. I've Mickey never Lou's. been. It used to be dope, man, and then they kind of fell off for a while. I hope they're coming back. I haven't yeah, been there in a I, long time. I last went there. My mom and I went there after one of our doctor appointments. We went there. Uh, Right around Thanksgiving time, uh, so last November uh, we had gone, and it, I like I said, it it, it holds up. Um, you gotta get like two or three burgers, though. You know that's what I, I that's totally what you're saying, and I agree with that. But you gotta get two or three, and you gotta get yourself a milkshake too. Oh yeah, Mickey Lou's now that that's like one of the oldest businesses like in Northeast Wisconsin. Yeah, it's it stands the test of time. We're going, we're going way off the chart here. Sorry. Hey, that's the part but of the yeah. segment. Man. That's, Paper that's... thin patties. They got to thicken them sons of bitches up everywhere. Give me some thick patties. That's why the double quarter pounder is so good, Sean. You know got what? thick patties. You know I what love place does patties. the patty right is the Green Bay Distillery. That is a thick patty. True. Ooh. I'm going to have to go check that out. For sure. Tell tell if it's Mike a thick I sent patty, you. I'm in. Tell Mike and, and the owner of the Grimmie Distiller, tell right. Mike I sent you. What's that gonna get me, Eric? Uh, Who the hell do you think you are that if I name drop you, then I'm gonna get something out of it? You'll get a nice smile and a water. Yeah. <laughs> They'll probably charge me a dollar for the water. No, no, not at Grimmie Distillery. <laughs> Mike would never do that. He's a good guy. I'm like, you heard it here. If I come, I get a free blue moon. Oh, I don't know if we can work that out, but I'll, I'll see what we can I'll do. Just, Eric, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to name drop you. And if I don't get shit on it, I'm going to put my tab on your tab. All right. Ooh. Go ahead. I like it. <laughs> blue moons all night long. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Anyway, so that is our Wild in Wisconsin WWW segment. And I think this is our best one of the three that we've done so far, Justin. What say you? I think we locked that down. We had two good stories, two good, uh, two big content stories there that, you know, took us for a while. Uh, I just, I mean, how do you find a Vernon schmuck all the time? Like, you don't. Just that, you don't just. There aren't the. There aren't enough forklifts in the world. No. Sean, a nice job on the on the Wild in Wisconsin segment. Thanks. I uh, I thought last week might have been a little bit better, but that's just my bias opinion. 
Ah. Well, that's because you were slamming me the whole time, Shauna, which I'm I'm still not over that yet. We were not slamming you. We were talking about the Sky Carp. No, wasn't it the country music, your crappy country music takes? No, 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 no. That was the greatest. That was your uh, that was your root for that we talked about that, Justin. Yeah. Uh, so okay. two different things here, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time for me to make my exit. All right. Thanks, Shauna, for joining us. Secretary Shauna, everybody. Thanks, Shauna. Woo! Thanks. Hey. Woo. Have a good rest of your show. I'm rooting the, for it. The crowd yeah, goes that's well. what she's rooting for this week. <laughs> that's my root for. Rest right. of the show, fantastic. All right. Well, hopefully we don't disappoint. Shauna, thanks for joining us. All right. See ya. All right. Well, Shauna is gone. So now it's just me and Justin, and we're going to talk some Wisconsin sports here. And Justin, where do you want to start? Do you want to look through the Bucks? Do you want to look through the Packers, Badgers, Brewers? What, where do you want to go here? Well, Eric, I'm going to surprise you. I think I want you to kind of chime in and, and uh, kind of lead the segment and lead us off and, and see how far down the rabbit hole we could get on your Milwaukee Brewers, since we don't have the distraction of Ramsey this week. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So, a little quick, what's brewing in Wisconsin and what's brewing in Milwaukee? Uh, our Milwaukee Brewers are off to another great week uh, early on here, as Shauna had alluded to. 7-6 winners today over the Atlanta Braves. They are 10 games over 500. At 24 and 14, which does put them in first place in the National League Central by three games over the St. Louis Cardinals. The Milwaukee Brewers have won two out of three over the Braves in this series, and it gives them a series win. Coming off a series win over the weekend against the Miami Marlins on the road after a daunting road trip. Uh, you know, did drop the series to the Reds last week, so less than ideal there, but... Again, daunting road trip. Got back home, a little bit of home cooking. And that's all the doctor ordered today's game, Justin. Got in a little bit of a hole early on in the third where Corbin Burns gave up two home runs for four runs. But the team was able to rebound, scored two in the fourth, one in the sixth. And then the Brewers and Braves would match runs in the eighth or excuse me, the ninth inning, the Brewers tied the game back up at what was then 4-4. Four to four. We go to extras, 10th inning, with the last year of that stupid runner on second rule. Well, once you know, the Braves end up scoring a run. Brewers answer back in the 10th. Braves score another in the 11th. And it was up to Keston Hira making his return to the team after being demoted, but then being re-promoted after the Willie Adamas injury. Two-run home run to deep center field. Walk off for the crew. Puts him at 24-14. and 14. Among the league best records in the National League and the MLB for that matter. Uh, does put them in second place technically overall. Uh, for win percentage where the Dodgers have one more win than them. Uh, in the National League, but as a whole, uh, puts them in very good spot here as we get into the second month of the season, kind of at that, I don't even want to say the quarter mark, but getting pretty close to that quarter mark of the season at uh, 24 and 14. That's what, 38 games out of 162. So pretty close statistically to the quarter 
if not exactly on. But overall, pretty good start to the season here, Justin. Yeah, Eric, I think it's really encouraging, and I'll tell you why. To be up three games in the Central, to to uh, to be what you said, second place overall in the NL? Yes, tied for second. To, to be there, and if you look at all the things that have happened, um, now we'll see going forward without Adamas. But, you know, Yelich is starting to swing the bat again, come around. Um, Rowdy Telez is swinging the bat. They have scored runs, and that's really what is, is uh, you know, saving them right now is in, in this last little stretch. They come off of a daunting road trip, as you talked about. Uh, the thing that I think is so encouraging about this, they're pitching – Outside of Freddie Peralta's uh, start the other night, their pitching has not, their starting pitching specifically has not been great. In fact, even the bullpen, you know, specifically a guy like Devin Williams, who played such a pivotal role all the way up until he punched a wall last year uh, to the playoffs, uh, has not been very great or not to the top of the line that it was last year. And if they can find that now, Eric, we've got some big things that could happen. We could end up with, with, uh, with a great run here, uh, NL championship. Um, and really, uh, the, with saying that the scary part about it is, is they, they played like they played, but they haven't really ran away from the Cardinals yet. And I know we're only 38 games in, but if we're, I mean, that road trip, we were four and five, I believe it was. I think that's the stat. We were four, four and five on the nine game road trip. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. So that, that, you know, they say win most of your games at home and kind of stay 500 on, on the road and you'll be okay. Come playoff time, you'll probably be in the hunt, right? And, and they're kind of doing that. Um, but it, it just seems like we could, we, we could be doing something different and we could be playing better uh, at, at the pitching mark. And, and we should, we, sh- we could run away with this thing if it, if it gets better there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've seen a lot of good trends here in the last few days. I know Devin Williams, I believe he has, I believe his last – I know for sure his last six outs have all been strikeouts. Um, so well, that's last positive. Two appearances for sure. But definitely trending in the right direction with him. Uh, really, as kind of Tony G alluded to, really the only kind of hiccup right now in the starting rotation uh, has been Brandon Woodruff where, I mean, today Burns didn't have his best stuff all year. Still put up a pretty good day. Six innings pitch, seven hits, uh, five strikeouts. So again, not his best performance out there. But Freddie Peralta is starting to find it for the year. Um, Aaron Ashby has been really good out of the bullpen and has only really had his one bad game. Uh, Eric Lauer has really found something here too. So really yeah. encouraging signs when these other guys who aren't the big three have found it. And and then, you know, you can't say enough about Josh Hader who has really just keeps doing, keeps what, he's doing, doing what he's doing what he's doing and approaching doing. MLB history for scoreless streak. Uh, just incredible stuff for him. So, uh, like you said, you know, you'd want to see them maybe running away with it a little bit more. I believe the schedule has been friendlier to the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, either. Uh, so, you know, you got to play who you play and, and 
keep going mm-hmm. on day in, day out. But I uh, got three big ones against the Nationals here, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back at the keg in uh, AmFam Field, Milwaukee. First pitch tomorrow night on – so or excuse me, they'll take a day off for Thursday. Friday night they'll be back in action with uh, Eric Lauer on the hill. Well, Eric Lauer is the one that really uh, is starting to kind of shine through, and he's not – it's funny. He's not he's, – he doesn't really get the run support he should have. Otherwise, his stats would look a hell of a lot better than, than they do. He pitched He pitched last night, right? Uh, Eric Lauer did not pitch. I think uh, Hauser was last night. Oh, maybe it was Hauser. But he pitched great last night too, right? He did. He did. He was – He just they, – they, 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 he didn't get one run in support. That's what I mean. Like these these guys, like the uh, who we would consider or who everybody would consider the top, the the big three, they're getting the run support and they're not, you know, really showing up. Yeah, Adrian Hauser last no, night, six innings of work, four hits, uh, one run, six strikeouts, two walks. It's a that's a great start. Yeah, for sure. I mean. You like you said, you know, you're getting it, and you know Corbin gets off the hook on today's game from you know the team kind of rallied behind him. But I mean, really, and he's doing, he's gonna do his, you know. So you you want to see Peralta maybe get a little more consistent, and you know he, you know, we look at his start Monday, where we can talk about you know what he did. That was a one nothing win. Uh, Brewers only gave up two hits across the entire game, and that being Freddie Peralta kind of getting back to his stuff. Seven innings pitch, two hits, one walk, ten strikeouts for fastball Freddie. Wow. And then That's a great start. Devin Williams got the hold, one inning pitched, three strikeouts. Josh Hader, one inning pitched, three strikeouts. Nice. No, that's good pitching. Yeah, you're not gonna lose you many games when you get that. Yeah, you you would want more run support. It's gonna come. I mean, you know, we look at what this team's doing and really kind of all seeming to find their kind of collective strides here. Christian Yelich, like you mentioned, uh, Colton Wong being the true leadoff hitter. I believe on Sunday's game against the Marlins, uh, he reached base safely six times and only had one hit. I think that was his home run. I think he had four or five walks in that game, Justin. Luis Urias really? swinging the bat, one for four today, two ninety eight average on the year. Yelich, uh, one for three today. Uh, Renfro, two for four. Excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong date here. Uh, that's yesterday's stats, but uh, today's box score. Yelich, one for five. Urias was one for four. Wong was one for five. Renfro, two for three. Uh, Tyrone Taylor was two for five today. Good to see him swinging the bat better. One for four for Telez. One for three for Mike Brasso, who's been another one of those guys kind of up and down. And then, obviously, Keston Hira went one for five. But the one that happened was a big one, that uh, walk-off home run. And then even Victor Caratini, which he's more of a defensive catcher anyway, he took an 0 for three today but had a walk and had a run that scored late too. So get the bats going. Keep them about where they are. They're above average for the, you know, average for the team. So really can't complain too much on a day like today. Wins a win, and we'll take them however we can get them, Eric. Yes, sir. So that is our What's Brewing in Milwaukee segment. Justin, next, where should we go? Badgers? Packers? 
Bucks, where do you want to go? Well, I think we should just get the bad out of the way. Let's go with the Bucks. Staying in the city of Milwaukee. Positive note, Milwaukee Bucks are still the NBA champs, still the reigning NBA champs. Uh, however, they will not be repeating after they lose their series to Boston in a Game 7 and, and really, I don't want to say pathetic showing, but let's call it what it was. It wasn't a great showing from the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 6 or Game 7 for that matter as the team kind of just ran out of gas. So, Eric, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I believe it was last week one of my noogies, if not my noogie, was NBA officiating, correct? It was. That's correct. So I'm going to be brutally honest with our fans. I decided I was not going to watch game seven. I, I watched game six. I thought it was an utter disaster in how it was officiated, and I just could not watch game seven uh, and feel good about what was going to happen. You almost knew what was going to happen. Um, so I decided to go and take my 10-year-old boy, and we went golfing, and well, I had a lot of fun. It was well worth it. Came back, was kind of paying attention on the uh, on the old telephone there and, and, and seeing where the score was at, but could not feel good about going into that game, playing game seven in Boston um, without Middleton. I knew there was there was a slight chance they were going to get him, but I think this this teaches the Bucks so much. Um, they need to do better in a whole bunch of other ways of building the roster. They have what they could call a big three. They're good enough. Those guys are good enough to take you there. Um, but what happens? It's almost like what happened with the Nets last year or, or, or basically this year when you, they didn't have one of their big three that they thought. Um, we need to do better at developing and building young talent, not trading away guys like Dante DiVincenzo. Um, getting rid of a bad contract in, in what was a utter disappointing uh, season, regular season to a, a postseason for Brooke Lopez. Um, we They need to do a better job at developing the depth around the big three. I know there's some that will say, well, maybe we should just trade Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton for uh, Dame Hillard. Lillard. I I don't agree. I, I think what they have is good enough. They just have to do better at building the, the young facets of the roster and, and making it more of a desirable franchise to target when it comes time to moving pieces. You, you feel what I'm saying, Eric? Like, that has to be better because we're not going – like, if Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday goes down, we're not going to win championships. As much as you love a guy like Wes Matthews, as much as you love a guy like George Hill or Javon Carter or whatever, whoever that dude was, like – and that's the point, like, whoever that dude was – 
you need to do better at, at like, look at what the Miami Heat have done. They have at least three max contracts with Bam Adebayo, um, Kyle Lowry, and he's not even playing, um, and Jimmy Buckets, right? They have done so well in the first and the second rounds of the draft, finding guys like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, things that could build around. And, and like, as much as we want to say and hate it, Tyler Hero is developing into a good NBA basketball player. This doesn't make him any less of a jackass. <laughs> but you know what? This is what, like, they should take a page out of Miami's book. They should even, even um, Boston. Like, look how developed they had a guy, Peyton Pritchard. They drafted in the second round. He hit some monster shots in that series all the way through. They need, they need to do better in that area and, and get younger and not like when you're drafted in the second round, draft somebody that can help you for two to three years. Not a guy like Giannis that you could sit and stash away or you're going to, you know, send him to the G League or you can trade him for bait. That, no, give me a guy that can give me that that has played big time major college basketball minutes that can help me. Maybe he's reached his peak and he is what he is. Maybe he turns into Draymond Green. Maybe he turns into Duncan Robinson. Right? Like, yeah, we absolutely. don't have those guys. Grayson Allen is not that guy. And I just think that this year, compared to where they were last year, the depth I thought last year was much better than this year. Yeah. And I, it proved in that series. I, I no think, doubt about it. I think, really, if you look at where this team could have been, and obviously the Middleton injury is. A huge part of that. We cannot overstate that. And say what you will about his contract status. Say what you will about him as a talent. But you can't overstate how important it would have been for you know if if he plays in the series. I don't think it goes six. I think it's bucks and four, bucks and five. Yeah, P- pure honesty. However, he wasn't there. They still brought it to seven. They had really. I mean, if you look at the series as a whole, and you can kind of take a step back here, a couple days removed, and you know. Grayson Allen had a shitty series, and and he, for as big of a player as he was in the regular season, he is just he's a role player, that, and that's what he's paid to be, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, Pat Conson had a very good playoffs yeah. this year, but that's I mean he's a you know you know what you have with him. Those are two guys you can definitely keep a part of this roster right. and have be a very integral part of what you want to do, but they are not. The the end all be all. You're not going to build around them. You're not going to do win a championship because of them solely, but they definitely will be key contributors. There's nothing wrong with that. With yeah. that in mind, you, you said it, and then you know you hit the nail on the head. And I don't know if this was a coaching thing. I don't know if this was, you know, where where the the ultimate issue with it is. Brooke Lopez was dog shit all year and had no business being playing as many minutes as he did that. I don't think you're going to find anybody to disagree with that. George Hill should not have been playing as many minutes as he did. 
No. And I remember Friday, and I I didn't didn't watch the whole game, but Friday uh, before, you know, got done with work, picked up Shauna, went to go get some dinner, and before we had our reservation for dinner at uh, Sushi Lover here in Green Bay, we stopped at Teletown Brewing, watched the Bucks game with some Bucks fans, watched the first quarter. At one point in the first quarter, and this was a very common lineup to have on the floor at the same time, Justin, they had, I believe it was Pat Connaughton, George Hill, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, and I i can't even tell you who the fifth player was, but nowhere on the floor was a scorer. It's probably Wes Matthews. Maybe. No, because I, I would have preferred Wes Matthews to be on the floor at the time. Um, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it may have been Grayson Allen. I don't – like, I, I thought Bud – did a pretty good job with what he had. There are some questionable decisions, like starting Wes Matthews over Grayson Allen, right? Especially when Grayson Allen was so hot and so good in that Bull series, um, you kind of should have just rolled the hot hand, right? So there's questions, but I thought he did a pretty good job without Middleton to get us there. I just, that, that way of thinking, it's like, it's like we're reverting back to like three or four years ago when the Lakers or two or three years ago, like look, the Lakers did the same thing this year, right? Mm-hmm. It's just our stars ultimately were a little better than they were healthier. the Lakers stars. Right. Our stars were healthy. We just got there. We just got there. It wasn't a depth. It wasn't like, and, and the depth proved for them too. Like, so I wouldn't say that the Lakers and the Bucks were too far apart from each other. No, absolutely. And, and that's a scary realization of what, and this roster could have, you know, probably six guys turn over again next year. Well, you know, I, I maybe this might be a little bit more peace of mind. A couple takeaways. First, I don't think the Lake. I think you know what you just said. The Lakers, I don't think were as far off as the Bucks. You know, when you say it like that, I think it like you said. You know, like I said, I think the Bucks ultimately were just healthier than the Lakers were. I don't think they were too too far off in the grand scheme of things, and I don't think that's a bad thing per se. That they were very similar. It's just like I said, the health was what it was. And they're um, old. They they are. They're old. Like I don't want to go. I I don't. We aren't developing anybody. Like, sure, we've re-signed Giannis. Sure, we've got Drew for a couple years. But we aren't developing talent for the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh spot. Like Bobby Portis is uh, a core player coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't I would not consider Grayson Allen or Pat Connington or Wes Matthews, George Hill as core players that we must have. Like uh, and there might be some that that would stand up for Pat Connington and he's played well, but you have seen his ceiling. Yeah. His ceiling is maybe, I mean, 
12 and 12 and 5 on a good day one of these you know every now and then he'll surprise you with the 20 but like other than that it's not we need something better and younger and more we need more ability to to play multiple spots off the bench like it just it, it upsets me that you can't find shooters. Now, here's the crazy stat now, Eric, and the most telling stat of the whole series. Boston made 53 more three-pointers than Milwaukee in the whole series through wow. seven games. That's insane. 53 more three, 159 points to zero in the spread there. That is absolutely crazy in the game of basketball. And, and, and but, you know, you just didn't have guys that shoot well. Grayson Allen is probably the guy that shoots well, but when you take a guy out of his – you take a shooter out of his funk like you did Grayson Allen, he's not going to shoot well then. And you're starting Wes Matthews over him. You're putting Drew Holiday on Jason Tatum. It, to defensively, like there were some questions, but it's just not good enough on the back end. Grayson Allen should probably be your your seventh or eighth guy coming. I'd agree with that. I mean, I I love me some Grayson Allen. I think he is a good part of what the Bucks can do. I would probably agree that he should be your seven, six, seven, depending. Any given night could be between six and eight in your lineup and your rotation. Right. It's one of those things, though, Eric. It's either one or the other. Like, he's either you, – when you put a rotation in like that, one of those guys has to be the guy that scores. One of those guys has to be the go-to player, right? Yeah. Uh, that could play – that could be the opposite of one of the three stars. Um on the rotation. None of those guys are those players. Maybe Bobby Portis, because Bobby Portis is a walking double-double. But it's not great. It's, it's barely 15 points. It, it might be eight rebounds. That's not, like, go-to. Like, we ain't, do, we ain't forcing the team to do anything differently when Bobby Portis is in there. No, I will say that no. to Bobby Portis's what? credit, I think if if you're going to retool, and I think we, I think we're on the same page here that retooling is probably for the best in the grand scheme of things, and not rebuilding, but just retooling. Yeah, I would much rather have Bobby Portis part of this team than Brooke Lopez. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Brooke Lopez, I said it last year, and somehow it surprised me that they they won the damn thing, but. And it came more to fruition this year. They played so much this year without Brooke Lopez that they got into a rut of how they play the game. Brooke Lopez just eats up the lane and and slows the whole train down for the Bucks. And that's not when, – when you play with a guy like Giannis and you play with a guy like, like Drew Holiday who want to get out there and they want to go up and down the floor and they want to run – and get open buckets. Like, Brooke Lopez is not a fit for what they want to do. 
No, I mean, he didn't, I don't know. I don't even remember him shooting a three pointer in in the series. I'm sure he did, but I like it doesn't strike my mind that he did that, and that's like his biggest asset. Um, that he you know eventually grew into throughout his career, but he's got to go. Bobby Portis, you know, it's and my point that I was trying to make before was it's one of two things. You either need to hide a guy that, like Grayson Allen, who is a three-point shooter. You hide him as the fourth or fifth guy um, in your starting five because you can kind of put him with uh, the starters and he can spread the floor and shoot the three, especially for Giannis. And, And when you put him opposite of Middleton, that really spreads the floor. For, for Giannis and Drew Holiday to kind of attack the lane. Um, or you can you can sit him on the bench and, and, and hope that he finds a way to be a go-to player. But they do not have any of that probably from four to the end of the roster, to be honest with you. I would agree. Like, their second-round pick didn't even play a game this year. He was on the roster, but he didn't play a game. He wasn't even suited up. Like, that's not who we should be picking. It's it's mind-numbing to me. Like, look at what the other teams are doing. You got away with it because you played an injured New Jersey team or uh, Brooklyn team last year. Like, I, I expect a lot of moves. I, I don't think Horst is going to sit. So ju- let's just say, Justin, that you you wake up one morning and you're in John Horst's shoes. What would you? What would it be on your Bucks wish list for them to do if I'm you keep- if you had the pencil or the pen, whatever? Yeah, I'm keeping. I'm keeping Grayson Allen. I'm keeping uh, Bobby Portis for sure. Um. Pat Connington has trade value. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I don't know what we do with the fourth or or five positions uh, in the starting lineup. But I want to garner some youth and in, in development. You could keep like the back end of the roster. So twelve through fifteen should be your wily veterans, like like a Wes Matthews, like a George Hill. Like, those are the guys you sign that, like, if injuries happen, okay, we have this veteran that can fill the gap here for a minute, right? Right. So I want I want young guys. I want to make – I want draft picks. I, You know, I want to draft and develop on the back end around the three stars. We need shooters. I don't know what what free agency holds, but I know that I don't want to blow this thing up and trade Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard. Like to me, that is what they have in the big three fits perfectly. Yeah, I, I, well. I would wholeheartedly. They play agree. well with each other. You know what I mean, right? Brooke Lopez. I don't know what. 
what his situation is. But if we could get off of that contract, that's frees up a lot of cap space that we could go and get people. Um, but shooters, we need some shooters. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I'm gonna take a look. I want to take a look to see the free agents that are coming up here. See who we should be looking for. Um, and it's got to be they. They've got to be well done a list, Eric, because you know the way the NBA contracts are going and how how close to the the cap the Bucks are. It's got to be mid tier guys. Get the young ones. Get the younger guys that can play. No, I, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm just trying to take a look through, like I said, the free agent list right now. Um, and this is from Spot Track right now. So I think we can we can both agree if we look through. You know, this is just kind of going in order of top free agents. Uh, James Harden, hell no. John Wall, hell no. Russell Westbrook, hell no. Bradley Beal, hell no. Uh, Kyrie Irving, hell no. Am I, am I wrong anywhere? No. Uh, Gary Harris, no. Zach Levine, no. Ricky Rubio, no. Andre Godala, no. Thaddeus Young, probably not. But you get, you know, Connington's a free agent, it says. Um, you know, really the first one I can even see that might be a fit. And... This doesn't really fit your narrative of what you were looking for, but depending on what you can maybe get out of Jeremy Lamb. Yeah. He's unrestricted. TJ Warren. That's a guy, right? TJ Warren. A small forward. He could, he, you know, he's got eight years in the league. I don't know what, what year that makes him, how old he is. But when you talk about guys like, you know, T.J. Warren's done it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Justin. No, I, I totally agree with you there. But that's, I mean, we could sit, probably break down this whole list. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's guys out there for sure. There, I'm just going through the list, Eric. I mean, there's a lot of names here that I really like that I think we could attack. Now, just a couple um just a couple that, for the Bucks' sake, here, Bobby Porter's has a player option. Um, Pat Connington has a player option. So, uh, where did he go? Bobby Portis is, he's a $4.5 million dude. Mm-hmm. That's, that's insanely cheap. Pat Connington is $5.3 million, right? Yeah. So, uh, like if they if they do that great please come back those are great contracts but they need like Serge Ibaka they got Serge Ibaka here as an unrestricted free agent he's making nearly 10 million dollars Serge Ibaka didn't even play he didn't even play in that whole series yeah that's how embarrassing that is I'm not going to disagree with you one bit. That was, I I didn't get the move when they got him. I didn't like the move when they got him. I still don't like it now. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but 
How old is Serge Ibaka? Ancient. Just let me do this. 32 years old, 250 days. So be what? He was drafted in 2008. He'll be 33 when they would start the season next year? Yeah. Yeah, Can't have that. Ooh, Rodney Hood. (laughs) All right, so... I, I guess I don't have necessarily have a free agent wish list. I'm sure we'll kind of maybe do that more as we as we get through and go through this offseason. It gets a little bit closer. And I I will agree with you on this though. I I don't think I want them to blow it up for Dame Lillard. I don't really get that. Uh, you know, I know he said he wants to be with Giannis, but just doesn't seem feasible to me, or it doesn't seem practical if you want to win a championship. Right. But anyway. So that is the Bucks talk for the evening. And we'll, like I said, we'll break them down more. Um, Justin, some notes on the Badgers. And I know that you had been sharing and we had been sharing kind of back and forth on Twitter. Uh, some different recruiting news from both football and basketball. Yeah, actually, it, it, it was a busy week. So the Badgers, they, they've got... Uh, the football team got two commitments, uh, one from a four-star running back out of Ironton, Ohio. Uh, since he's committed, uh, Jacquez Keys, by the by the way his name is, he's a six-foot-one, 210-pound, well-built, chiseled monster, Eric. Um, since he's been committed to Wisconsin, them ever-dreaded assholes in Michigan – have offered and the bluegrass state Kentucky has offered him since he's committed to Wisconsin. So that tells you a little thing about how good uh, other teams are watching Wisconsin and who they're offering and who commits and how can we steal this dude? He ain't going nowhere. All right. I'd expect the same thing coming from this next guy um, in, in Taylor uh, an athlete out of he, he, this guy is a low three star currently. He's got I I don't even know how many six seven offers and mostly by Mac schools there, but this dude is going to come in as a defensive back. Uh, he's going to blow up as the as this summer goes on. He's really going to become a steal. He's an athlete. He's not he he could go one of many ways but I think they're going to start him out at DB. Um, so that's a big, big, uh, a, a big week for Badger recruiting football. Um, that moves them up to number 40 nationally as they have four committed guys. Um, the two others in which we've talked about in the past episodes. Badger basketball now, Eric. The Badgers secured a huge, a monster of a commitment from four-star on uh, a 247 sports, uh, four-star number or uh, 93 overall ranking or uh, overall rating, that puts him as the 16th best or the 16th rated center in the nation. I believe I told you he was the 126th uh, rated prospect nationally. He is six foot nine, Eric. And he 240 pounds. And this guy looks like a pud. 
He just uh, like when you look at this dude, he looks like a putt. But then you turn on the tape, Eric, and this guy, he's got some moves. He's 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 got some smarts. He feels like a Wisconsin basketball player, but now you're prototypical center, right? Now you're prototypical guy that's going to sit in the swing, uh, do a, a a pick and pop, hit the three. This guy sees the floor well. He passes like a guard. All right, he dribbles like a forward. He posts like a forward. He runs like a forward. But the way this guy can pass the ball and the way this guy can see the court, the way this guy plays defensively, this is a monster of a pickup for the Badgers. That that picks them up to number 17th nationally ranked recruiting class as it stands with two commitments. Uh, the, I believe the second guy... They got two weeks ago and Jonathan Blackwell, just another guy that's really going to blow up on the scene over the over the summer. Uh, he had a couple um, higher offers. I believe Nebraska was one of his offers. But uh, 17th, Eric, that's nothing to slouch at. And the Badgers are playing some uh, uh, interesting games here now in the recruiting territory. It's going to get hot and heavy uh, over the summer. Uh, as camps start going through, and and I'm excited for it. But that's some big, big news. And, Eric, here's a little Badger side note for you. The Badger softball team made the tournament, Eric. Hell yeah. They're in the tournament. They're going to go for it. I, I forgot who they've got to play. Do you, do you know offhand? I, I do not, but I can probably find it here in a couple seconds. I just but. saw it. Um, is it Clemson? Maybe Clemson. But they're going to go and get it, Eric. They're going to go and win another. The Badger women are going to go and win another national championship. Hey, I sure hope so. That'd be awesome if that's the case. Uh, they are going to Florida. I'm trying to see who they play. Um, taking a look here. This is awful live podcasting. They'll play Georgia Tech in the regional tomorrow, on Friday. Now, one quick while we're talking about college recruiting, college basketball. A pretty good week for the Phoenix, if I say so myself, the Green Bay men's Phoenix team. Uh, Getting a commit today, or yesterday, excuse me, uh, from West Hosha Central, Jack Rose. Yeah, kind of an under-recruited kid, Eric. Uh, could be one of those late diamond in the rough kids. Um, we'll see. A lot of roster turnover. That that is one place that has had a lot of roster turnover, and it looks like we'll see. We we'll, we've touched on this, Eric, and you and I could go on about this for for a decade about what's going on there, and I think. I think I might agree with you that he might start be getting to get his guys in there to under his system and what he needs. Yeah, absolutely. And this now this is a guy, Justin, who among his offers and teams that were interested, George Washington, Maryland, UW Milwaukee, SIU Edwardsville, and Toledo. Chose Green Bay. Joining him will be Racine Case Senior. 
uh, Amari Jedkins, a six foot seven senior who uh, won or who led uh, Racine Case to the Division One state tournament this last year. Um, lots of recruits coming in uh, to Green Bay, uh, getting their guys here locally, and then also a couple transfers that they've started to kind of put together back that roster and see what they got and and kind of building from there. Yeah, they're going to be young again, Eric. That's the that's the scary part about it. They did get some transfers, but those transfers were younger guys. Some Juco guys that are going to have to adjust to the level. Yeah, absolutely. We'll but see. that's that is I mean, that's the nature of the game when you're in the mid-major world and especially a, a, you know one that hasn't had that success that maybe other programs seem, had. It does seem like, God damn it, Eric, you go on Twitter or, or you go on the internet and, you, and you'll find another new UWGB basketball player signing up. Yeah, it really seems like that, doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy what they've got going on there. And hopefully it turns around real quick for them. Yeah, just trying to kind of looking through here. Last week, since we've recorded, a product from Grafton, Brock Hefner. Is that Hughes' nephew? I don't believe so. It looks like a different spelling. No, it is the same spelling, oh. but... That's too bad. That would be awesome if it was. You'd think so. Right, so, Proctor Grafton, Wisconsin. He's on, or he's committed. Um, let's see. Who do we got did, here? Now, wait. Did Hugh Hefner ever visit Grafton, Wisconsin? You know, I can't confirm nor deny if he has or hasn't, or if maybe uh, Mother Hefner... Um, may have made a trip to California at one point in her life. I don't know. I'm not one to speculate. Yes, could be. This guy might have some gin coming to him, you know. <laughs> you should make some friends with him. I'll have to get right on it. Yeah. Let me know, because I want to hang out with them then, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, Justin, I'm going to ask you, we can go a couple different routes here, um, you know, with our Packer talk. Obviously, we touched on the the uh, addition, excuse me, uh, that is um, the signing of Jair Alexander or the re-signing. We touched on that earlier. Packers lock him down for another four years after this year, has a $1 million base this year. Uh, kind of doing the whole push the money out and see what happens. <clears throat> but Huge. That's a huge deal. And, you know, you look at the stuff the Packers have done, they've only lost out on Devontae Adams, right? Like, And you don't want to say only lost out, but in reality, they've had a pretty goddamn good offseason so far, in my estimation. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, you know, you still see rumors that they're in the mix on different receivers. Which, if they are, they are. If they're not, they're not. You know, I don't necessarily see where they would go in that route, but they're still in the mix on some guys yet. Uh, Jarvis Landry will not be one of those guys, as he signed with the Saints uh, late last week. But it is that's oh, yeah, kind of, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're welcome. I do my homework. That's. That's 
that's a pretty good pickup for them, even though they don't have a quarterback that's going to throw them the ball. Yeah. Although it might be Drew Brees again. Did you see that? I, I, I did see that. Um, he, he might go play in the FCF, though, too. Who knows? FCF? He ain't going to no fan-controlled bullshit. Hey, I'm, I'm just telling you what he tweeted. No, he ain't doing that. I, I don't think he will. I'm just, like I said, Justin, this is just me reporting the facts. They are facts. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, he just reporting the facts. You know, he did tweet that. It's a possibility. Um, it's not definitely on the table for him. Now, the seriousness of it, we'll see. But it is it is out there to be discussed. So, with that, I mean, we the schedule did release last week. Um, you know, initially we were planning on probably doing a, a way too early prediction for the season. Uh, should we wait till Ramsey's back to do that next week? Yes, because I want to hear all of his negative takes on it. I will say this a little bit of a spoiler. Unlike Derek Carr, the Packer, I, I do think, or David Carr, excuse me, I do think the Packers will win more than eight games. Hot take. Oh, way I more know. than eight. I know. Way more. David Carr is such a jabroni, Eric. It's so bad. Yeah, Got I don't. It. I don't He's disagree. Like a guy, you you want that guy to go into the ring and get choke slammed in a grave digger by Undertaker? Like, just put this guy out of his misery, put him in the casket, and get him the hell out of here. I can't listen to the guy no more. It's terrible. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, I'm not gonna. I know that I know it's a wrestling reference. I'm just not gonna tempt fate and put that out there, but uh, I will. I will agree with that. I just you know if he kind of just went away and did not have to maybe hear from a him. Yokozuna ass flop from fucking middle rope on that guy. Rikishi with the stink face. There you go. Let's get that. That's I'll, a good one. I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Um, it's terrible. But I mean. Lots of high. I, I mean, sometimes feel the same way about Ramsey, though, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the kind of the, the good things we've had here, and I know we've probably touched at this and talked about this kind of ad nauseum, but lots of hype on on the first round draft picks, specifically, you know, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Uh, some more, you know, just different things that we've talked about, you know, as as they've gotten through. Mini camp and just some of the different quotes that you hear from the coaching staff, and just how excited they are to work with these guys and how much they bring to the table for this defense. I mean, and you can see that signing Jair is kind of that, or re-signing Jair, I should say, is really that kind of step in that direction of of really reiterating great defense, ground and pound offense that can occasionally get it done through the air. With an MVP quarterback? Yeah. I mean, the identity is there. Have, the identity is win now. Mm-hmm. They haven't, they haven't hid. They haven't hid in what they're going to be. And I just, I think it's foolish for people. And I think it's going to be a foolish, hard season uh, for pundits like us to, to really listen to fans that are going to bicker about where our offense is 
where what what how different we look, how pathetic we're gonna look without Devontae Adams, without Aaron Rodgers keen in on Devontae Adams. They have to understand what the identity is going to be. It is going to play a great solid defense, run the football, and let your quarterback win you games in big moments. They're they're moving, and I don't think... And it kind of goes back to, to the situation of us not drafting a receiver in the first round, right? Yeah. Like, it, it tells you, like... I think our our fans are going to be the most impatient, ridiculous, um, overbearing fans when it comes to the regular season and when the production doesn't match um, as fast as it usually does as past years. Does that make sense to you, Eric? It does, and I think that's I, – I don't think this is a, a hot take, but, you know, you can be a more successful team with a worse record. And, I mean, let's look at this. I mean, the odds of winning 13 games again are it, – it's hard. You know, to do it three two seasons in a row is hard. To do it three seasons in a row, even harder. And right. the reality of the situation is they probably won't win 13 games again this year. But that doesn't mean that they can't be a better team for it, a much more well-rounded team, and a more successful team in the grand scheme of things. There are teams that are built for the playoffs, and there are teams that are built to win a lot of games in the regular season. In the past few years, the Packers have been built to win a lot of games in the regular season and not built to win in the playoffs. And that's just a, a, a real, true Hard fact, Eric. Now they're they're building in Matt Lafleur's eyes. We're gonna have a great defense. We have a great quarterback at the end of his career that needs another one, and he's gonna carry us there. We don't need to be paying thirty million dollars for a receiver. Um, this probably helps. As as crazy as this sounds, this problem losing Devonte probably helps the offense. Um, as a whole, how they're going to replace the production. That's going to be a great question. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I think that's going to be another thing is that the yards have to go somewhere, right? Like they're not, they're not going to have a 1500 yard guy this year, more than likely. I mean, unless I, I mean, as much as I would love to see Christian Watson be that guy or Romeo Dubs be that guy. Or even, you know, Alan Lazard, you know, Sammy Watkins have a resurgent year. It's the reality of the situation is it's not gonna be that way. I mean, that's that's call a spade a spade, right? But right. we can also sit here and realize that those yards have to go somewhere. Maybe that means another, you know, hundred and fifty yards for Aaron Jones. Maybe that's three seven hundred yard receivers. And I think I don't okay, think that's so- outside the realm. I'll give you a hot take, Eric. I'm going to give you a hot take. I'm ready. I think both of our running backs are going to rush for 1,000 yards this year. I wouldn't doubt that one bit. 
And I don't think, and I think our fans need to really uh, um, understand how big of an achievement that is for an offense, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about at best four, four and a half yards at a crack, it's a lot. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of possession. That's that's what they're going to have to do to be a truly successful team. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you one bit and and will it happen? We'll see. I hope so. I I yeah. I think they for sure have a thousand yards individually combined. I mean, like total yards. I don't know if I'd say rushing yards. But I definitely think that they both get well over that total yard mark. I'm going to go say rushing, Eric. I'm uh, That's how big of a limb I'm going to go on. They're both going to go over 1,000 yards rushing. I hope so. I I would love to see that. Like I said, I'd love to see, like I said, a, a Christian Watson get 6,700 yards. I'd love to see a, you know, Romeo Dubs four or 500 yards and six 700 yards out of Sammy Watkins. You know, just that'd be great. That'd be ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, Randall Cobb's going to get yards. Tunyon's going to come back at some point, you hope, and eat up yards. Yeah, I don't disagree with it, with that for sure. I think they have to go somewhere. Um, I think, you know, if you think about it in percentage points, I think, you know, Lazard's going to go up 20 to 25% in what his past years have. Sammy Watkins is probably going to go up. You know, Christian Watson is just going to chew up naturally some of the yards of replacement that you're going to have to have. But on the flip side, Eric, what we're not talking about is the yards that you're going to lose with Marquez, too. So now you're probably talking, what what are we at with, with Marquez? He had about almost 500 yards, 400 and some, I'm thinking. Let me look. So you're close to 2,000 yards? Uh, MVS for his career, 690 in 2020, 430 last year career. He had 2,100. So, you know, break that up among four years. It was uh, 452 in 2018 or 2019, 581 in 2018. So conservatively, Roughly I think you could average yards. at 500 yards or so. Yeah. And how many was uh, Devante? Last year, uh, Devonte Adams. He was last year. He had fifteen hundred. The year before that, thirteen hundred. Uh, the year before that, just under a thousand. Thirteen hundred in twenty eighteen, and then you know, okay. you go from there. But so you're talking either two thousand or just slightly over two thousand yards. Right. That's a lot of yards to replace. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Cobby's got to have a better year. Amari Rogers is going to, his production is going to go. So uh, I'm not like, it is a lot of yards to replace, but I'm not so worried about it. Eric. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I'm really not. We will, we'll um, break down the schedule more next week. Um, anything else you, I mean, like I said, not a whole lot in the Packer front in the Packer world, but enough where we can talk about it for a little bit and. 
Kind of break it down from no, there. No, I, I, you know, it's kind of that dead period. Um, you're right, though. I'm, I'm excited to see the speed of the defense. Absolutely. And what that entails um, going forward. That that would probably be what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're gonna have we're gonna see a lot of speed on both sides of the ball. Um, I like I said, just a lot to look forward to with this team, and really, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better this off season at this time than I did last year and even the year before that. Yeah, no doubt, and that's with losing Devontae, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Feel more balanced all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's huge. All right. So with that, Justin, all we have left to do is talk about what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And Justin, what do you got in your mind? It's the all-star race this week, Eric. It is. Down in Texas. That snuck up on us pretty quick, huh? Yep. And then next week is the Coke 600. Wow. Yeah. I haven't heard anything on the... Well, when's the Indy 500? That's always the day before, or it's always the same day. Is it not? Wow, I haven't heard anything about. I haven't heard anything about the Indy either. Where's yeah. Ramsey when I need him? Sunday, God May twenty ninth. Wow. Well, who are you gonna pick for the All Star race this weekend, Eric? Oh goodness, um, Texas. Motor Speedway. That's a good question. I'm going to let you lead this off first, Justin, because I need to look at the field. I am going out on a limb, and I'm going to say that because it's a non-points-paying race. And my pick is going to be Kevin Harvick. Okay. Who is in a big rut, by the way. Okay, I'm. I'm not disagree. I don't. I like that pick. I really do. Um, his odds, as I'm looking at them right now, are plus. He's plus twenty five hundred, Justin. Or plus twenty. Really? Yeah, plus twenty five hundred. That's put a buck on it. Yeah. If I was putting some money down, and if I, if you want me to make a pick right now, you know. And this is one of the favorites, but I, I really have a good feeling about this. I'd probably go Kyle Bush. Oh, uh, you and your Kyle Bush. That's the first time I've picked him. But I, I got a feeling. I mean, he's he like I said, he's the second favorite in the race. He's plus seven hundred. So if you want me to pick an and one of the kind of further down guys. I'll go Ryan Blaney. I think Ryan Blaney is kind of in that same, Ooh. kind of in a rut a little bit. Could use a win. That's just to build the confidence pick. a little bit. Is that really down the chain now? Ryan Blaney. How about I surprise you? Is the seventh favorite. He's at plus 1,200. How about I surprise you? Let's hear it. What do you got? My deep, deep dark horse. Eric Jones. He is plus 4,000. I'm just telling you, this guy, he has had speed all season. He has been running a, somewhere between 
the top two to 12 all year long. He's had uh, a bit of bad luck to finish his. I think he can get it done. I'll give you another name just to, to kind of ponder if we're talking betting odds here. Maybe someone to throw a buck on. Daniel Suarez at plus 5,000. He's going to snap that. He's going to snap that streak, too, at some point. You're right. So just just somebody to keep an eye on. That's I'm not saying he's going to win the thing, but that'd be somebody to keep your, you know, keep an eye on, maybe throw a buck on. Hell yeah. So with that, that is episode 74 of the Root for Wisconsin show. I want to thank everyone who's listened so far. Share it, be a friend, tell a friend. And with that, we are out. I'm Eric. That's Justin. Shauna's no longer here. Secretary Shauna, shout out to you for joining the show here on Last Minute Notice. Can't wait to talk to everybody again next week on episode 75. With that, we're in the books. See ya. Salud.